Salam, Khoshabadi. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Team Ellie Talk. I'm your host, Artif Zakhari. It's great to have you with us. It's been a few months since our last edition, but of course, good to be back. We know Team Ellie just had a few, couple games to kick off the final round of qualification for the 2018 World Cup in Russia. And for today, I have a special guest. His name is Behruz Afrikan. He's done a lot of writing and journalist work and also following Iranian football. So, Behruz, welcome to Team Ellie Talk. It's great to have you with us. Hello to you and all your listeners, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to you uh, today, and thanks for the intro. Sure, no problem. And you know, before we get right into it, why don't you tell the listeners about all the work you've done involving your experience with Team Ellie, the national team of Iran? Uh, you know, I started playing soccer when I was five or six. So, you know, like all of us, you and everybody else listening to us, just just the passion that we have in our, I guess, in our blood or DNA. So... Um, once I started uh, broadcasting in film, it uh, you know got I got a chance to work for Telemundo and also Univision. You know I worked on live uh, World Cup telecasts with Univision, which was international you know broadcast. So from there on, one of the things that I always uh, was uh, sort of um, <clears throat> uh, feeling sad about was the fact that when, for instance, in 1990 Italy, when I was working for Univision, or 86 World Cup Mexico when I was working for Telemundo, there I was asked by my colleagues who were all from Latin America, where is Iran? You know, they all remembered, it's funny, they all remembered that Iran was in the World Cup in 78 in Argentina. Uh, and they were like, where, where, you know, what happened? Where, where is the Iranian national team and so on? So it was always a uh, uh, sort of a... Uh, feeling that uh, there's something missing when I was uh, very excited working on live World Cup telecast for Univision where people are watching across the United States and also in South America. So then I started, you know, following the team, fortunately, uh, with the uh, 97 World Cup qualifiers. And one of the reasons, I, which is interesting to talk about, is the fact that uh, in those days we did not have the live telecast that for this generation, your generation, it's become very routine and very normal. And for us, back then, we could not have these live telecasts that, you know, you sit in front of your TV or your computer or your telephone. It's amazing. You know, you know, you get on your iPhone or your, you know, uh, you know, any other kind of phone you have that you can watch live. Even uh, my iPhone shows the telecast of your radio national team or any team. <laughs> the quality is much better than maybe my computer or my TV. So those days, we did not have that opportunity. And uh, I remember in 97... There was uh, these uh, public uh, forums that we had to go to, like uh, there was a Sherman Oaks Country Club uh, here in the Valley, San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, where we could go there, and it was crowded, 2 a.m., game with uh, Australia and so on, and we had to pay, like, I don't know, 20, 10, 20 bucks to, to sit and watch the game. Um, and uh, that led to where Iran got to the 98 World Cup, and uh, it uh, turned out to be such an exciting event. Uh, besides the fact that Iran uh, got to have, uh, so far, its only victory in the history of World Cup for Iranian national team. But on top of that, um, all the events associated with that, the, the fact that the uh, game against the U.S., if you recall, uh, FIFA awarded both Iran and USA the uh, FIFA uh, Fair Play Award. And uh, that led to me making a short 30-minute uh, documentary, which won uh, a special award at the Milan uh, sports film festival and so on and then from there on obviously I started uh, traveling with the national team uh, just about every uh, foreign trip that the Iranian national soccer team and some other also sports teams like uh, 
the uh, Asian Olympics in South Korea and also the uh, Asian Olympics in Qatar and so on, uh, I got to travel and be with uh, with all the all the major teams of basketball, volleyball, so on, especially with the soccer team, and got to interview them. And uh, a few of them are available maybe on internet. I know at least Vahid Hashemian's interview is available on on, on, the, on online. But I did get to interview um, you know the the other generation, the older generation, Ali Dai, Karimi, Hashemian, Mahdi Kia, Navid Kia, and so on and so forth. And uh, basically. Uh, got to know that generation, which uh, I, I'm sure you would agree with uh, the experts, the Iranian soccer experts, called the golden generation of Iranian soccer. The, the guys that I named, uh, you can add Jawad Nekunam to that list and so on. And uh, basically, it all came down to where uh, uh, the American media obviously a little bit became interested, especially with the <clears throat> affluent Iranians here in Los Angeles. Fox Soccer Channel became interested in um, broadcasting Iran World Cup qualifiers. So in 2009, uh, I was uh, lucky that they uh, had an opportunity and they invited me and uh, through some contacts to do four games for uh, Fox Soccer Channel, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. It's called uh, Fox Sports, but then those days it used to be called Fox Soccer Channel. They do they used to do only 24-hour soccer for those who don't know, and unfortunately they they're, they're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Um, and then uh, from there on, did many, many different projects. Uh, the last, which was, uh, if I recall correctly, was the uh, last World Cup qualifiers in 2013. Uh, we did the last four World Cup qualifiers for Iran. We went and got the rights and produced and did play-by-play. The last World Cup qualifiers were with Uzbekistan, Lebanon, Qatar, and the last one with South Korea where we managed to make it to the World Cup. So we did that exclusively, and it was covered uh, by even American media. I know at least there's one Los Angeles Times uh, detailed article that mentions uh, all the people involved. Uh, I, again, I have to uh, mention that there were colleagues who helped, obviously, people who, uh, you know, projects like that, media projects, uh, film projects, it's never a one-man show. It's always a team that works uh, and does these things. So, uh, And some, some names obviously don't get mentioned, but uh, it's always a teamwork. So there you have it. Uh, I, I try to be as brief as possible. I'm sorry that I went on too long for that. Oh, no problem at all. Great to have, great explanation. Great to hear all the work that you've done involving the national team of Iran. And I think it's, of course, one thing worth mentioning as well is that it's cool that there are so many Iranians, Iranian-Americans that are able to be able to watch the World Cup qualifiers in California or anywhere in the United States. As, you, as we all know, our, our football fans are really diehard supporters, and it's a, great, it's a great way to bring the game to them. And those qualifiers are very important. I mean, what can I say? That there were three, there were three qualifiers left in 2013. I was really nervous. And you know, Iran had just suffered that really tough one nothing loss at home to Uzbekistan, and it looked as if like maybe it'd be really tough to get to the World Cup. But you know, a one nothing win at Qatar, a four nothing win at home against Lebanon, and that one nothing. Women at South Korea. I mean, that was a nail biter. It was Iran did it. They got to the World Cup. And you know what? I, I want to know. I mean, in your opinion, is it is it normal for a team elite to always want to do things the hard way? Yeah, that's very very typical. Um, the only time I, I remember that Iran managed to easily go to the World Cup, which I couldn't believe it happened. Again, we were. I, I was literally doing that game also live. I was doing play by play. Uh, for the 26, 2006, I should say, German World Cup, that uh, they managed to make it a year before uh, the actual uh, start of the World Cup. And I remember, I, I still remember to this moment that 
when Iran uh, managed to qualify and, and they beat, uh, if I correctly remember, Bahrain in Tehran and they qualified. And I was doing this game live here from Los Angeles. Um, international game was obviously being also shown. You know, people could see it, see it in Iran as well. I turned to uh, one of the people sitting next to me and I said, uh, are we dreaming? Is this happening? Because I'm not used to the fact that Iran could qualify for the World Cup one year before. Uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, in, in conjunction with Japan, was uh, they were the two teams that uh, were the first that qualified out of the 32 for that 2006 World Cup. So it is typical of Iranian football, unfortunately, that always we have to do it the hard way. And uh, it's, it's you know, part of the course, as, as they say, I guess. Um, uh, it's... I don't know, it's in the DNA of Iranian football. They have to make it difficult always. And the other thing that you should be, uh, you know, in, we should consider and we should be fair about it is today's world, today's soccer, all the teams are getting very, very competitive. And, and there is no more, you know, superpower as you would may refer to them. Uh, you see how, you know, in uh, Japan, UAE ma- matches, uh, manages to, to beat uh, Japan. I mean, think about that. I mean, Japan, are you kidding me? And UAE, to be able to beat Japan in Japan with all those players who all play in Europe? I mean, think about that right there. And so in today's world, I remember always with Bronco, those years that I would travel to Timeli, mainly when Bronco, uh, Ivanovic, uh, Bronco Ivanovic was the Iranian um, uh, national coach, who's now head of, uh, you know, he's a coach of press police. Uh, obviously, we always refer to him as Bronco. Um, he always used to say those days, he said, hey, the Iranian soccer fans should always remember in today's soccer, there is no more, you know, great team and then the weak team. Uh, all teams are very close to each other in, in the terms of power. Um, everybody, in, you know, they've, they've learned the latest technology. They've learned the latest uh, scientific uh, uh, knowledge about uh, nutrition and training and so forth. And so good that they bring all these coaches. I mean, you see in the Arab teams in Persian Gulf, in Qatar, in UAE, how they bring the best. They 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 bring the best coaches. And if you have visited their clubs, I had I had, I had the opportunity to go and visit their clubs, and um, they have the best. The 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 system is the, the same as you would find in Germany or England. So it is natural that a whole generation. I mean, they, they, if you if you look at UAE, they invested so much money in their youth. Uh, I'll give you an example quickly. If you know the name of Hassan Roshan, for instance. Hassan Roshan was an Iranian uh, star of the 78 World Cup. Now, when the revolution happened and the Iranian head coach, Ishmael Mohajirani, went to UAE and UAE brought him to lead their uh, team, their national team, as, as their head coach, uh, Hassan Roshan, they brought in Hassan Roshan, who was the Iranian star and goal scorer. Some people say one of the best of all time in Iranian soccer history. And they made him coach of their under-14 club team, one of their clubs over there. They made him the coach of under-14. Think about that. And this is back in late 70s, early 80s. And so you can see that. Today, when you hear and see that UAE manages to beat Japan in Japan, you don't. Uh, some people may not know that. That's how they invested. They had the foresight. They had the knowledge. They had the uh, 
the uh, genius mind of whoever was running their soccer program over there that this is what we have to do, and look what happened. Uh, unfortunately, that's something that we do not have in Iran. We do not carry in Iran in Iranian football, in investing in our youth. And so one of the reasons that most likely the Iranian national team always have to, the players have to go through this whole uh, if and buts and this, and as they say in Farsi, they always say that. Uh, it's because we only think for the moment. And because of the moment, all our competitors are rushing ahead and we are kind of, uh, you know, taking steps like a turtle. And and that's why we always run into problems. Yes, we have Carlos Queiroz. He has all the experience. But remember, there are 11 players who have to play on the field. And no matter how good of a coach you bring, if that whole background investment hasn't been done in all those categories that are required for a soccer player to do their best performance on the field, I'm sorry, then things can happen where the UAE can beat Japan in Japan, even though we're not undermining and underestimating Japanese soccer. We have to also remember that. You know, it was one game. They managed to do it. In itself, it's very significant. It's very important. But you look at Japan the same way. Japanese also invested back in, in, in 70s when Iran, well, late 60s and 70s when Iran three times in a row, successive uh, uh, Asian Cups became champion of Asia. And that's never been repeated again. Not only hasn't repeated again as far as the three successive, successive uh, championships, we haven't been able to win even one uh, since the 70s. So Japan at that time, South Korea at that time, they were nobodies. They started investing, and you look at the J-League in Japan. In 93, they started the J-League, and look where they are, where all their, not only that league brought in players from outside and coaches from outside, the famous one, Zico, you know, who, who went there, played, and you know, also became coach. But they had others. And so look at their league and just compare that league, J-League, or the Korean League, K-League, with the Iranian League, and uh, you'll get the answer. Yes, definitely. It makes a lot of sense. For for quite a long time, whenever I talked, you know, football with other Iranian fans, I have been able to say that. Yeah, I have been able to point out some of the things you mentioned. Of course, not nearly as accurate and with that much information that you just mentioned. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Iran doesn't have what the other countries have, like Japan, South Korea. Now you just mentioned the United Arab Emirates, and also United not UAE. Not only did they just beat Japan in that recent qualifier, but they also defeated Japan in the quarterfinals of the 2015 Asian Cup. So they made a lot of, you know, they made a lot of steps, they've taken a lot of steps, and, you know, looking, and, and I've known about Heshmat Mohajirani for a long time, I know he was Iran's coach in the 1978 World Cup, and, you know, now looking at his pro, at his profile on Wikipedia, yeah, I can see here he was coach of UAE from 1980 to 1984, yeah, I just, that I didn't bother to look at that years ago, but great to know about that now, and, and I, I like what you said earlier, it's, you know, you talk about the ifs, you know, you, you mentioned that phrase in Farsi, and unfortunately my Farsi is nothing special, but, yeah, and that's lots of times Iran find themselves in those tough situations where it's hard to dig out. Of, it's hard to dig themselves out of that hole. And the, the one thing that I think a lot of that's I think one thing that's on the minds of, of a lot of Team Ali fans right now is that you know can we get to a second consecutive World Cup? You know, we made it to '98. We missed out on '02 because of you know that terrible time. I think it's probably because Blazovic didn't have the most control over the locker room that time. You know, we made it in '06. I think missing out in 2010 was mainly because. 
Ali Dai was an inexperienced coach, but we also did not have a very good striker. But this time, you know, we could, and of course, we just meet in 2014, but this time we have experienced strikers. We have Sardar Azmoun, we have Reza Gucci-Najad. We have, in my opinion, and, and those aren't the only two players worth mentioning, but also Saeed Azatulahi, he's young. But in, overall, though, I just look at Iran's roster and the players they have to choose from that this is a team that should make it to the 2018 World Cup. But I'm really, right now, after two games, I'm quick to say that I can't promise that right now because there's a lot of games to be played. Everything on paper is different from what happens on the field. Now, on paper, I agree with you. This team that we have this year, I was uh, talking to one of my soccer colleagues, uh, soccer expert colleagues that I was talking to, and I said to him, look, I think Carlos Queiroz has this problem this year. He has so many good players that he probably has difficulty in getting a headache out who's how I'm going to you know play among the 11 because he has to always leave three or four of them on the bench as you saw in the last two games you mentioned the names Sadar Azmoun Ezatullahi we have Kuchan Nejad we have Dejage uh, we have Jahan Bakhsh we have Karim Ansarifat we have Shushuri all these guys are playing uh, in Europe and you know we have others who are playing in Iran but they're in the same I think you know no matter what the, the, the fact that they're playing in Iran uh, you know, you have Taremi, you have Torabi. I mean, there's just, uh, uh, you know, a whole list of players that uh, Carlos uh, has, has at his disposal. And I think, again, I, I repeat this, I think he may have a headache uh, the night before thinking, okay, who am I going to put in the 11 lineup tomorrow because I have to leave three or four of these good guys outside. So we have the personnel, all right? The other thing is we have the knowledge of the coach. He knows. He's good. He's a tactician. We saw that against uh, Argentina in the World Cup. So you know that he said, I, and I saw that first time. I was in Guam recently, uh, not a big game. You know, Iran beat Guam 6-0, but I was there for three days. And I, I could see firsthand and uh, observe, talk to people there, talk to himself, to Carlos and other people around him. And I watched. I went to all the practices, and I was there at the game, and I was with them all, you know, for three days. Uh, you know, he is 100%. Uh, you know, people say good things about him. People say bad things about him. I've heard all, all that. Um, personally, I know people have trouble and problems with him. And I've heard some of the sort of uh, secret stories or confidential stories that I'm not going to repeat. So that's put it aside, okay? That's the personal side. But as a coach with his uh, resume and his background that we all know, and the fact that you see he knows when we, when we go uh, to play some team, if it – I mean, the best example is Guam. I saw that. I mean, you know, Guam is uh, not not to 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 be disrespectful towards them or anything. You know, as far as the map goes, you can hardly find them on a map. They're like a dot in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They have a hundred thousand population. That's it. Okay. Now, somehow they managed to, and good for them, to make it to that round that Iran was also in that uh, you know preliminary round of the World Cup qualifiers. So you don't have to go there and play them. But so you know, you knew that Iran was going to be able to beat Guam. It was no big deal. But you could see Carlos Kerosh was taking this game very, very seriously. Uh, hour to hour, they were scheduled, what to all the players, meetings, tactical meetings. Um, you know, he, he had, uh, and he does this all the time apparently, um, all the practices are being taped by one of the staff members. And that's all being analyzed by Carlos Kerosh afterwards by himself. And then he looks at the practice, and then he, based upon what he sees, he talks to every individual player of how they perform the practice. Now, add to that, analyzing the opposing team, the players, how to be able to, you know, man-to-man play against those guys, where are their weak points, where are their... I mean, anything that a very good international coach can do and will do, you have in Carlos K. Roche. 
And as I said, I repeat that. You saw that in the game against Argentina. I mean, you can't get a better example than that, where people were talking about Iran losing to Argentina ahead of time, 7-0, 8-0, or whatever, something that happened to, obviously, Brazil against Germany. But you saw that didn't happen because there was that knowledge from him and his um, way of playing soccer. Now, I understand they say, oh, yeah, he parked the bus and whatever. Okay, how come not everybody can do that? You know, there's been all these international games throughout and since that in the world that other teams could have done the same thing, but they didn't manage to. So, you know, it's easy to sit and say, oh, yeah, you know, Iran just parked the bus and for 90 minutes. Yeah, but if you look at the roster of Argentina and all the players that played on that team, then you go, okay, even if you parked the bus for 90 minutes, you know, they should have managed to be able to score goals. And uh, on top of that, we had very good, at least two chances to score ourselves. And to this day, they still talk about that controversial call by the referee that uh, could have been a penalty against Argentina. Anyways, put that aside. Um, back to this World Cup. On paper, we should make it to the World Cup in 2018 in Russia. Absent any surprises that will happen again. Absent any injuries that will happen again. Absent any um, refereeing decisions. Uh, one thing we have to consider, and I, 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 uh, I'm not one of those conspiracy theory-minded people at all, but I know for a fact because I've traveled and I've been there many, many times. I've been at Asian Cup 2004 China. Uh, I have uh, broadcast Asian Cup 2011 and I've been to 2007 Malaysian Asian Cup. I mean, and I've been to 2011 Qatar Asian Cup. I've been there personally, and I've, you know, I've, 2011 I, I did blogging for New York Times and so on. So I've witnessed many things firsthand. I've interviewed AFC people. I've interviewed coaches. I've interviewed officials, and I have observed many, many things. There is this thing about sort of a prejudicial viewpoint from AFC against Iranian football. It is a fact. And this is not because I'm Iranian or because I just want to take sides. Not at all. I'm trying to talk as an impartial person, having observed what I've observed, and talk to impartial people, impartial Western journalists who have covered Asian soccer who have told me about such things. So it's not just my opinion and so on. And there's been, to this day, articles written by Westerners who follow and write about uh, sports in, in Asia, especially in the Middle East, who talk about that. So that's one big factor. You just saw the the other day, I mean, two days ago, I guess, it was Carlos Kederosh, um sort of uh, protesting uh, about the referee that's been designated to uh, officiate in the game against Uzbekistan. Apparently the same guy that uh, was the, co- the, the ref for the Iran-Iraq match, if I'm not mistaken, at the Asian Cup Australia. Um, yes. So there is this, and I, know, I don't know if, if, if this, this Australian coach is going to do anything against Iran or not. I mean, that I'm not, I'm not prejudging him. But I'm definitely saying that, yes, Iranian, and that's another thing the Iranian players and Iranian coach and staff and the Iranian Federation has to be smart about. You know, when you know that happens and you know that that prejudice exists and they know that that exists, then in the middle of the uh, you know game uh, at the halftime, I don't understand why seven or eight uh, staff members of Iranian uh, football on the bench have to rush the referee in the middle of the field. I mean, you saw that, right, Arash? Yes, definitely. I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, you know that that happens, and that can change the result, and that can change the path that we 
can easier, or easier, I should say, can easier go to the World Cup than make it difficult as always except the 2006 World Cup. Once you do that, and, and it, it, you know, ended up in the second half with a goal when we scored and they I'm getting a red card and all that, that, that happened. I'm not going to get into it, but I'm just saying that all shows that the AFC would find some sort of excuse to say, look, I've had this discussion with AFC people, by the way, again. That's why I'm saying it. I've had this very discussion. They have told me, AFC people have told me, look, they give us excuses, but they give us reason to do what we do. Now, obviously, they did not confirm that they're taking prejudicial, prejudicial view on Iranian soccer, but they, I asked them one time about why, for instance, in the game, and I have the interview, by the way, um, why in the game against Bahrain at the Asian Cup 2004 for the third-place position, they have a UAE referee officiating that game. I said, I asked, I asked this uh, AFC official, um, you know, this is the Asian Cup, you have at your disposal South Korean, Japanese, Chinese. I, I said to him, I, I'm not asking you to go bring uh, referees from Germany or England or Italy, but why do you have to put an offic- a, a referee officiating this game, Iran Bahrain, with the background of the 2001 game that was very, very controversial when the Bahrainis beat Iran 3-1 in Bahrain. I was actually happening to uh, do that game live, broadcast that game live out of Bahrain, and I saw many, many things there firsthand. I said to him, and this is 2004, two years later, I said, with that background, and he obviously was quite aware of it, I said, why, why do you have to put another neighboring country, Arab, Shikhtum, uh, national, to officiate that game, and, and that game also ended up with controversy and so on, and red cards and, and many other things. Now, Iran won that game and, and, and garnered the third place uh, position on that 2004 Asian Cup. But the fact that AFC chooses to put a UAE ref in the middle of the game uh, when Iran's playing Bahrain instead of choosing a Singaporean or Malaysian or a Japanese or Korean uh, referee, that should tell you something. And that should be, uh, I guess, sufficient uh, evidence for the uh, uh, subject that I'm bringing up. So we have all these uh, issues that we have to deal with as the Iranian football uh, federation or Iranian football fans. Given all that, given all that, as, as I said, I'm, I'm trying to make it as complex as possible because it's not easy. So again, it's not on paper. All these things have uh, a way of working it into our World Cup qualifiers. Now, if all of them work against us, we will have a very, very difficult path. But given the fact that we have the players that we have, we have the coach that we have, forget that the Federation, the Iranian Federation is not doing anything. They would not do anything. They haven't done anything. And that's not just by me. You hear Carlos Caro saying it. You hear Iranian players saying it. Um, we have one of the maybe worst, worst, worst football federations in the world. That's, that's a given. Despite all that, or in spite of all that, uh, we should be able to manage to make it to the World Cup as the top two teams in this World Cup. Again, last time, the last three games, we had to win them. I myself didn't really believe deep down that we were able to beat all those three teams. Hey, look, it happened. We did it, and we made it. And we even beat South Korea in South Korea, something that nobody thought would happen. And we went to the World Cup. So... It's easier, I think, this time than the last time. But then again, <laughs> nothing happens easy with the Iranian football. So there you have it. Yeah, of course. And, you know, one of the things you said, and I'm going to be honest, I, you know, since a couple of my shows so far, 
I made sure not to bring too much light onto the problems between the Saudi Arabian and Iranian Football Federation. I'm sure you remember that the Saudi after the diplomatic relations broke up between Saudi Arabia and Iran, and I always make sure I never talk. I refuse to talk politics on my show, but I I I did realize that it was at times a little contradic it was contradictory that the Saudi Arabian Federation refused to send their teams to Iran for Asian Champions League games and. You know, of course, they picked neutral. Neutral sites were picked for Saudi Arabia, Qatar. Neutral site for Iran was picked in Oman. So those neutral sites didn't affect the Saudi Arabian clubs. But having said that, I want to go right into what you mentioned about the the problems that Iran has encountered while playing in, in Asian Cups. And you know what? If you want, I'll, of course, I'll give send you a link to one, an article I wrote. There's, I, I do write articles and. Sometimes I'm so I'm a writer and editor at forpersianfootball.com, and after that game against Iraq, that terrible quarterfinal where we tied three three and lost on penalties, you know I was crushed. I I was just really angry. It was just I had so many mixed emotions. It was bad, obviously. And after that game, I wrote an article. Like it was a it was called opinion, a lesson a lesson to learn. And I and what I wanted to sh and what I shared there was that basically our Footballers for Team LE, they need to know when to keep their mouths shut. They already know that they have the Asian Football Confederation going against them. And I brought in the example about, of course, uh, Merdad Puladi. He he already got a yellow card earlier in the game. Then he got into that little small skirmish with the Iraqi keeper, which I really don't think I don't understand why there was such a skirmish. He pushed the Iraqi keeper pushed Merdad Puladi. Puladi didn't even. You know, he wasn't trying to win an Oscar using his acting skills or anything like that. Then there was a, some few words exchanged with the referee from Australia. I think his last name is Williams. Yeah, Ben Williams. And, of course, Puladi gets a second yellow card. He's a red card. That right there helps Iraq the rest of the game. I mean, in all honesty, Iraq doesn't impress me at all whatsoever. I mean, they're able they, they were celebrating after winning on penalties. I mean, they had to play their – they had – the one-man advantage for the second half and extra time, you know, they impressed me. They're nothing. If anything, next time Iran plays them, I think Iran will stomp on them. And then I went back to that example of the 2004 semifinal between Iran and China, which ironically Iran just played China, that 0-0 draw for World Cup qualifying. But that semifinal in China in 2004, I still remember it was 1-1. The first half was almost over. There was a small skirmish near the Iranian in the, in the Iranian penalty area. Iran's left back, Satar Zareh, lightly pushed a Chinese player, and that Chinese player pretended like he was hit by a truck, and of course it was Satar Zareh who received the red card. So yes, I I know what you're saying. I, it's, it's true, you know, what can I say? I have refrained from wanting to mention things like this on my show, but this time, you know, it's worth mentioning it, and that's because it's, it's the truth. We've seen it. And that time, Satar Zareh was red carded. It was unfair. Later in the game, Ali Karimi had a very nice opportunity to score, and he was fouled in the very – it was a very bad foul. I think that Chinese defender should have been given a red card as well. Instead, he was just given a yellow card. And, yeah, having said all these things, I totally, I totally understand it. And I just hope that – I just hope that it, someone could get this message, message across. I mean, I know, I know I'm not the only person to say this. Of course, you were saying it as well. But the fact is that our Iranian players – you know, for the the qualifying matches, they just need to know, like I said before, they need to know when to keep their mouth shut, even though they know they're, they have the referee going against them at times, or even the Asian Football Confederation, they need to know when to keep their mouth shut, they just need to keep on playing, otherwise they're going to find themselves in these predicaments. You know, Iranian soccer is known for its um, I guess it's translated as uh, zealous soccer or emotional soccer, I guess. So... It's part of the, again, it's in the Iranian blood and Iranian footballers' blood to be deirati, to have this zealousy about there, I guess that's the correct word for it, but definitely emotional. 
and um, it's very difficult to control that unless I was going to say unless you played very professionally outside Iran, but then again, that even proved true with Javad Nekunam. Look, you know, he played six years at least in La Liga, and the other day, you know, he's a coach, and look what happened. You know, it, it happens, and, and in, in, if he, as an experienced player, now that he's become coach, does that, can you imagine the signal that he's sending to all the younger players sitting on the bench or are playing on the field? You know, that's a wrong message being sent, no matter how much you talk to them. You know, you know what I'm saying. So it's 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 um, uh, one thing to try to keep their their mouth shut, which they 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 should they, they they should do that. But they they have to be smarter than that. I mean, they have to be much much smarter than that to realize, as they say in soccer, always when 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 you're playing, it's the second act that the referee sees and hands the red card. We have to understand our players, our players, our players have to learn, have to learn. It's not just one game or one moment. They have to get into this mode of professionalism. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, having the title of Iran Pro League. It's just a title, it's just a name. But the attitude, you know, the way of life, it should be that. That's how you do these things. I mean, look at one of the best players for that to emulate or to, to learn from is Messi. Look how he plays, forget the, the, the style, but how he reacts. I mean, he probably receives the most amount of fouls of any soccer player in the world, uh, arguably. But look how he reacts. And I'm sure the arena players watch him. And they have to learn from that. We're taking a quick break, everyone. We'll be right back. My name is Andranik Eskandarian. And you are listening to Team Melly Talk. Okay, everyone, welcome back to Team Melly Talk. Here I am still with Behruz Afrikan. So, Behruz, now let's talk about our, you know, recent events. And by recent, we mean the two World Cup qualifiers that Iran just played to start the final round of World Cup qualifying. First, the game against Qatar. Yes, you look at the score, Iran won 2-0. You know, I saw, I couldn't watch the, unfortunately, I couldn't watch the game. I was busy working, and I saw on, on the live score app, that both goals were scored in stoppage time. First Reza Gucanejad and then Ali Reza Jahanbash. And of course Jahanbash's goal was a beauty. But then let's look back at Gucanejad's goal. And that was the course this game was against Qatar and honestly I actually like to call them the naturalized team of Qatar. I'm sure people won't disagree with me there. Anyways, the mistake made by Le Comte, the the keeper for Qatar of French Algerian descent he made a crucial mistake, I mean, clearing that ball. That reminded me of a mistake that Abraham, that, that Ibrahim Mirzapur made a long time ago. But, you know, I'm not here to rip on him too much. But anyway, that mistake made by the Qatari keeper. That was a very crucial mistake. And just imagine, you know, we talk about, you know, shoulda, wouldas, and couldas, and what ifs. But what if, you know, he didn't make that mistake. It's possible that game could have finished 0 0. And then you would combine that with a 0 0 tie with China. And I think you'd have many Team Elite fans panicking right now. But for that first game against Qatar, what did you think about uh, Team Ali's performance? Well, as you said it, um, I, I, I don't know how I would rate it. I, 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 I don't want to be <laughs> saying it, but I have no choice. Maybe one of the worst performances I've seen out of Team Ali, given the fact that of the players we have now on this team, on this roster, the coach that we have, the fact that we've been to the World Cup. You know, given all that, I'm saying it. You know, I'm not just saying it um, to make a you know uh, outlandish statement here, it's just that with the with the level, the caliber of players we have, with the caliber of the coach we have, and and the fact that we have these World Cup uh, 
experience, uh, just the recent World Cup. It's not, it's not always saying, oh, yeah, we've been to the 98 France World Cup. We've been to the 2006 German World Cup, which, you know, that generation doesn't exist anymore in this, you know, roster lineup right now. No, no. Those players, some of those players are here right now. So we have that experience. And then we can say, maybe I can say, and uh, as you said, you know, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'll be fine. I'll, you know, there'll be a lot of uh, criticism, um, <laughs> you know, against me, and, and, and people would not agree with it, uh, to say the least. But I'm watching the game, and I'm being very honest with you. I'm watching the game, and I'm saying this is one of the worst performances of the Iranian national team. That's all I can say. Now, yeah, we go into the extra, you know, 90-plus minutes, and, you know, the, go- the, the goalie, uh, Qatar, makes that uh, error. And uh, we have two very good players who do take advantage of that mistake, uh, Ansarifad and Ruchan Najad. And uh, it was very selfless of Ansarifad to pass that ball to Ruchan, to Ruch, Ruchi. And, and we, we managed to score that goal. And then, you know, the whole fight uh, ensued. And, and, you know, Jawad Nekunam gets the red card and so on. And after that, um, yeah, again, Ariza Jambash scored a beauty. Uh, very good player, again. Someone who's been uh, raised in, uh, and, and, and plays in, uh, in Europe uh, all these years. And uh, same player, did not have a good game against China, which was, again, another amazing thing that I, I witnessed. You know, I'm going, oh, look at, you know, the game against China. And uh, uh, Carlos decided to stick with him 90 minutes. Um, it's one of those things when you, you, you know some players, just, you just don't have, as a player, you just don't have a good day. And that was unfortunately happening for John Bash in the game against China. Again, you know, the, the field was not uh, in the optimal condition and, and for both teams, obviously, not just the Iranians. But um, uh, with Qatar, yes, you said it, naturalized players. They bring players from all over the world. Uh, the, the real Qataris are always in the minority in the national team of Qatar and so on. But remember, we're playing in Iran, and we have 90,000-plus fans uh, that home advantage always is huge for Iranian uh, team, and always works against the. You know, it really scares the the, the foreigners coming to Iran as, as soccer players. I'm saying, uh, forget the politics that you mentioned. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, unfortunately, in today's world, except especially in the Middle East, politics is part of soccer. There is no two way about it. There is no 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 argument about it. There is no discussion about it. It plays into this whole thing, unfortunately. Um, and and the, the, you know, as we go ahead every day, more and more uh, of the political issues get entangled with the sports and soccer. So it's it's uh, unfortunately part of the game. But what I'm saying is, when you have 90,000 Iranian fans in the stadium, and no matter what the team is, whether it's Saudi Arabia, Qatar, or you're Germany, you're England, doesn't matter. If you go to Iran and it's it's you go Ireland, remember Ireland with Iran um, for the qualifier or the playoff like, uh, for the 2002 World Cup. In Ireland, they beat Iran 2-0. to zero. That team goes back to Iran and loses 1-0 to Iran. So uh, there is this reputation that uh, we have 90,000 very emotional, very hardcore fans that support the team. And same, same, same is true with Korea. If you've been to Korea and South Korean fans, same way. Uh, if you are an opposing team having to play South Korea in Korea, you, are, you encounter the same thing. And kudos to Iranian national players when they managed to beat South Korea in Korea for that last world qualifier uh, for 2014. Uh, you know, sometimes they say it's, it's uh, you know, like hell, uh, the, the amount of uh, uh, noise that that's made and uh, the... Uh, 
uh, you know, as they say, deafening noise, uh, whether it's from Iranian fans or South Korean fans. Anyway, uh, given all that, you would have expected that Iranians, Iranian players would have easily been able to manage and beat Qatar, not having to go into the extra 90 minutes. Now, uh, put aside the result to zero. The way Iran played, as you mentioned, it was a disaster. Just that. And um, I don't know what the excuse is. I don't know why that happened. They say uh, the Austrian camp was canceled, or this player, that player, who went to Turkey but then came back to Persia Police, and they were not in the best fashion of their status or whatever, and uh, so on and so on. I mean, they, they, there's always excuses that people can come up with. But the bottom line is, I have heard from many, many uh, people in the, re- in the recent days that they're asking me, how come you're on play so bad against Qatar? And my only answer was, I said, if you look at the history of Iranian soccer in the recent history, show me when they have played well and then tell me which one surprises you more. That's my short answer, unfortunately. Absolutely. Very good answer. And, you know, one thing I found myself saying over and over, you know, what can I say? Talking to, you know, whether it's my dad or, you know, my brother or, you know, other friends and family that are huge supporters of Team LE, our national team of Iran, I've said something over and over. And the truth is, and what that is I've said is that, Iran doesn't always play 90 minutes of football. Sometimes it'll be 50 or 60 minutes, or they'll have periods of time where they're just not playing well, or they're just making, you know, they're making, you know, basic mistakes, making simple mistakes, and there's just times where they're just not all, where they're not working on, on all cylinders. And it's frustrating, and it's frustrating, but, you know, that's the way it's become, and that's why when we've seen our team, when we've seen our team elite qualify to the World Cup, that's why we look at them and say what a special team they can be, that they're able to find ways to qualify despite a lot of the problems they have. I mean, they, you know what? They missed out on the 2010 World Cup. I was heartbroken that time. And, you know, you have, you have to look back at that team, and you've got to give some kind of credit to them. I know it sounds like something I'm going to be criticized for, but I don't care. I'm going to say it. It's just that, yeah, that time when we didn't qualify in 2010, Team LE had Iran had two wins, five draws, and one loss. And that was a time when Ali Dayi was their coach. He was very inexperienced. We know that. But also prior to that, Amir Galanoi, their previous coach, he got fired after that Asian Cup 2007 loss on penalties to South Korea. And Iran did not have a coach basically from about July, basically from the end of the Asian Cup 2007 all the way till about January of um, 2008. And so when you have all those problems and you see that Iran just barely missed out on qualifying, you got to say that there's something special about them because they came so close. And but the thing is, yeah, but us but us but us Team Ellie fans, we want to see them qualified to the World Cup because to us missing out on the World Cup is is, you know, the job is not done. Okay? Yes, I agree. I agree. What can I say? But those those gaps that you mentioned, part of the uh, policy of the Iranian Football Federation that they have uh, ignorant people. They have uh, unprofessional people running those uh, that that specific federation, and um, there's uh, nothing we can do about it. You know, uh, so if uh, if Iran, if as a fan you find the Iranian team play well, you should be surprised. It should make you happy. But if they play the way they play against Qatar, I, I think that's just normal. Unfortunately, I, I'm so, I'm very sorry to say that, but. We shouldn't be surprised at that. If they play well, you should be surprised, you know. And that's why I said 
we were surprised when Iran managed to make it to the last World Cup, having won all three games and beating South Korea in South Korea. That really surprised me. And I was doing that game live. I was doing play-by-play on that game live. I was, I was quite surprised that Iran managed to do that. Um, so, you know, yes, as, as, a, as a fan, you get uh, disappointed. You get some people get depressed. Um, that they see that their their team is playing in in, in such a fashion, and and um, uh, on the other hand, um, you have to come to terms with the fact that that's the way Iranian national team plays, unfortunately. And this is not to underestimate them, and this is not to uh, badmouth them, or this is not to be negative about them. Uh, you know, obviously, everybody loves their national soccer team, and. Uh, I respect that, only that you also have to face the facts. Definitely, and, you know, there's a lot of good things to talk about here, and, you know, this is where we're speaking the truth here. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of Team LA fans that will agree with us, and these things won't be fixed overnight. But let's take a look, but, you know, just real quick, we're getting we're getting closer to wrapping this up. But the last qualifying match, the 0-0 tie at China, I got to watch most of it, and I watched some of the post-game interviews, hearing what some of the analysts had to say, and, you know, I don't like what I was hearing when people are saying things like, okay, it was on the road, it was a tie, it's a point, it's not that bad a result. I don't like that kind of, I don't like those comments at all, because when I saw how China was playing, they weren't anything special, they didn't impress me. I know the Chinese Super League has been improving in recent years, they've invest, China's been investing more money in their football, but from what I saw, China was nothing impressive, and in my opinion, that was just, you know, dropped points by Team LA Iran. You know, even if we would have found a way to win one nothing in an ugly way, you know, what can we say? Winning cures everything. But there will still be a lot of things to work on, a lot of adjustments, a lot of adjustments to make. And going back to real quick to the game against Qatar, one player that a lot, a lot of one player that was criticized a lot was Ramin Razayan, the right back. And a lot of Iranian football fans were saying that, you know, that. You know, the right back position needs to be addressed right away by Carlos Quiroz. But having said all that, of course, the 0-0 tie against China wasn't a good result. I mean, what do you take from that game against China? Well, you compare that with the, uh, with the game against Qatar. So it was an improvement, definitely, okay? So let's look at that. You know, I'm sure he was heavily criticized. Carlos was heavily criticized uh, for the game against Qatar, the way Iran played, forget the result. And... Just performance-wise, obviously, we improved in, in the game against China. Two different games, two different venues, obviously. But overall, you saw that the team performed much better if you had seen the game against Qatar. So a much, much better game played against China. Now, yes, we had opportunities. We didn't you know, finish. And, again, that goes back to the fact that you mentioned earlier, I guess, that, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a finisher like we used to have with Ali Dai. Now, Sadar Osman will get there. He gets there sometimes. But, uh, you know, again, Ali Dai throughout the years and through the gaining of experience, he got to where he got where he got to score 104 goals. So, so on, uh, uh, with a player like Sadar Osman and then the rest of the good players that we already mentioned, I'm not going to mention their names again, we will get there. But the fact that we don't have a finisher per se right now is one of our issues. And that showed against uh, in the game against China. That clearly showed that we we, we had the opportunities, uh, we had the position of the ball most of the game, but we could not finish or we could not uh, put the ball in the back of the net. So, uh, part of the, f- the, the, the the statement I made earlier, saying you have to face the facts, we have to face that fact that yes, now in a game, if you compare the Qatar with China, yes, we can come back and improve and play better and, and do a better performance in the field. But then again. If we do not finish, still, you know, we haven't done it. Um, that's obviously something that they need to work on. 
Uh, we have the players who can do it. We have number of players who can score. Uh, I'm sorry, Fad can do it. Uchi can do it. Dejage can do it. Uh, Jahan Bash can do it. So we have Sardar can do it. So all these guys. And then even, you know, in the back line, we had Jalal Hosseini with the header. I remember back in um, Asian Cup 2007 in Malaysia, he scored goals uh, on corner kicks and so on. So, so in all the, the lines of uh, defensive line or even half-back line, we have players who can score. Masuda Shujai could score. Um, and, you know, he has done in the past. So we do have the scores, uh, but putting it all together, vis-a-vis the venue we're playing in, the day that we're playing in, the, the travel issue, I mean, you know, we have to think about those things. We, we can sit here in front of my TV in Los Angeles and, and judge something where this team, with all the problems that they've had to go through and with all the lack of uh, uh, dedicating enough resources that a normal team needs uh, throughout the year, um, to the point where, you know, they have to get on a plane the next day, travel, the, the time difference, uh, and so on and so forth. Many, there's many other things that, 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 that are involved. Um, yet they have to come back and, and perform, and China's playing home field and all that. Again, one can sit and criticize, and one as a fan obviously always expects the best from their team. That's a given. But you also have to look at the, I repeat, the facts of the matter. Um, between Qatar and China, the game, the two games, Iran had a much better performance. For, unfortunately, we were not able to find the back of the net. I hope they can improve on that. And now with Dejage, you know, being injured and so on, we have a very difficult game coming up against Uzbekistan in Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan, I think, is one of the best teams in this group. They have, I mean, not only that they're sitting at the top of the table right now, but the game we have against them, remember back uh, four years ago, how we had difficulty against them. They, they play the old Soviet-style soccer. And I remember first I saw them back in China, 2004 uh, Asian Cup. Uh, so, so this, if you want to judge the Iranian team, after two games that we've had professionally, competitive-wise, against two teams that are in our group. So, so forget all the training and all the preparation and all the friendlies that we've had in the past, whether in Italy and so on and so forth. So forth. We have had these two games now. So Carlos is in a much better position to judge his players. Now, the game against Uzbekistan, we have to travel there against a very, very good team. Let's sit and watch that game, and let's judge the team against Uzbekistan. They're the one, of, one of the best teams in this group. The way we perform and the result we'll get from the game against Uzbekistan should give us a uh, preview of how we're going to be able to continue with the other seven following up, follow-up games that we have to make it to the World Cup. I'm looking forward to that game. In all honesty, I'm going to be a little nervous, but let's wait and see what Team LA can do because there's one thing they have done before is that there's times they can really underperform against teams like Bahrain and Qatar, but then they suddenly just, you know, they bring it all against teams like South Korea or even like, and hopefully this time Uzbekistan. And and also with Uzbekistan, this is a, in my opinion, this is a new, this is a, I think this is a new rivalry in Asian football. I know when you look at the group before, the, when the draw was made, you look at the group and said, okay, some, you know, regular f- avid football watchers who pay attention to Asian football would have said, okay, South Korea and Iran quali- qualify automatically. But I, I did not say that at all. I know the Uzbeks are dangerous. They have a lot of very good players like Alexander Gainrich and Odil Ahmedov and Sardor, Sardor Rashidov as well. They have a lot of good players. They're very talented. And, you know, from the two games they played, from the two games between Uzbekistan and Iran during 2014 qualifying, you know, what can we say? Both times, in both of those games, the road team won, but it was actually the home team that played better. I mean, Iran stole that 
you know, stole those three points to open up the final round to win one nothing. And there should have been a there was a goal that looked for the Uzbeks that looked like it crossed the line. It also even hit the hand of Jalal Hosseini, and the referees just didn't see it. And the, the Uzbeks had some bad luck. They weren't happy about that. But you know, we lost also in Tehran. That was a very that was a very uh, frustrating match. I mean, people criticized Rafmati for not coming out to get that ball in no man's land, and Ulugbek uh, Bakayev is the one who got that into the net on the volley. So having said all that, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's it, this is this game's going to be huge. And of course, the game after that against South Korea is also big. But as of right now, we're only focusing on the game in Tashkent against Uzbekistan, and I think this is, as you said, this will this will really decide on whether or not. You know whether or not you know Iran is really in trouble, and you know we got to see if will the fans be ringing the alarm bells if they do not get a good result from that game. Yeah, yeah, the result is very important, obviously, but also the way they will perform. Let's see how they perform, because if 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 Carlos manages to put them together and they can you know get a cohesive team, that's the, the thing we're always missing: the cohesion in, in, in Iranian players, and, and the fact that now again we're back to almost almost the same sort of. Uh, Legionnaires, we had about six of them back in, uh, for the 2006 uh, Germany World Cup. So now we have all these Legionnaires that are coming from different places. And now they have to put them all together within, what, three days, whatever, four days they're together before the first game. Um, that cohesion, you know, that, that we have always trouble with passing with the Iranian national team. Maybe other national teams as well, but obviously we're all focused on Iran right now. Um, if, if, he, if after two games that they've done now competitively, very serious games, and we're going to the opponent's home, Uzbekistan. They're not in Tehran. We're going to go over there. Uh, and we, ha- we have played them in the past, recent past. Uh, and they're a very good team. And they're not an Arab team. I, I was always remember I being told by people like Mahdaviqiyo and the rest, you know, when, when we questioned them, why are you guys not performing against the Arab teams? They said, well, because Arab teams always play counter football when they play against Iran. And many other details that I'm not going to go into right now. But, but this is not an Arab team. This is Uzbekistan. This is a good team. This is a good team that has performed and, and has performed against Iran and so on. And you mentioned the, the history there. I'm not going to repeat that. So, given all that, let's see how they perform. Again, result is very important, but let's see how they perform. Let's see how they play. Let's see if we find that cohesion that we need in a good team. And let's see if these players can be able to mesh together and, and you know, put on all on the field what, what the fan expects them to do. And I know people like Bronco say, in today's football, Result is more important than the, the performance. You know, you may not play exciting and, and uh, the way a fan likes to watch a very, uh, as they say, good football or uh, exciting football, but the result is important. Yes, it is, but performance, the way they play the 90-minute the uh, uh, game against Uzbekistan uh, will be viewed is very important to judge how are we going to be able to continue on this path of the rest of the seven games that we need to go to the World Cup? So the game against, as you said, we should be focused on the game against Uzbekistan. Forget the game against South Korea and Tehran. Let's see how we perform against Uzbekistan. That should tell us volumes. Couldn't agree more, and it is time to, for us to wrap this up. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Like I said earlier, I know it's been a few months since our last edition of Team LA Talk, but of course, please make sure you're following us on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. You know the handle at Team LA Talk. Make sure, you're, make sure you're visiting TeamLATalk.com to be up to date on the latest news from the Iranian Pro League, the Iranian national team, and, of course, our Iranian footballers that are applying their trade in European leagues. Uh, Behruz, just like to thank you for your time. It was great to have you on Team LA Talk. I learned so much, and I really, I'm really hoping to have you back again in the future sometime. Is there anything else you'd like to add as we wrap this up? 
My pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, wish the best for the Iranian national team in the game against Uzbekistan.